0: what is going on everybody welcome back to extra points in nfl podcast Gabe's the here hope you guys are doing well hope you guys had a great week it's it's the end of another week and i don't know they're, they're starting to kind of blur by for me at least kind of in the moment uh well not not so much in the moment i guess but but in the after the day as a whole like once the day is over it's it's over, and it kind of hits me out of nowhere like that, which is kind of crazy. And like, I mean, even for for college and stuff, I want to say my last day is a month, and let see, you're recording it as of the fifth month and two weeks Wait, so what, I don't know, five, six, seven weeks left in school semester. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Time's flying, guys. It really is, especially in, in the NFL season two, which kind of sucks because it, it does not feel like it should already be week nine, and unfortunately it is, which means we are just about halfway through. A little over halfway through our season. I mean, not counting the playoffs and stuff like that, but yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. But this week, I guess, obviously, this is going to be our, our little review show. I also want to talk about Thursday Night Football here, but this is kind of the week of, I don't know, I guess confidence, because whenever I make my picks, I mean, I'm rel- relatively convinced that I'm going to be right either which way. I mean, it's why I make the pick, but it, it's more so this week. I feel like there's just so much... Certainty, or at least perceived certainty, I think we're going to have to go with uh, as of now. Because looking through the slate of games, I mean, obviously we have another 14 games, there's really not one game here outside of maybe Rams and Buccaneers to where I think that it's even going to be a difficult pick for me uh, as to who I think is going to win this game, Uh, win, win the games. I mean, and before I get into that, I mean it was kind of the same case for Thursday night football. And I know that in the preview I went over uh, with you guys, I was saying, like, I I would take the Eagles plus 20. And, I mean, I said that in, they didn't cover plus 20, but they still covered uh, plus 12. I, I believe the final line ended at 14, so they didn't quite cover the spread there, but they still won by a ton, and it felt like the Texans were really just giving it their all. It felt like their last-ditch attempt for the season, even though they were 1-5 and their season was pretty much done already, but it was pretty much their only primetime game that I think actually the only primetime game that they're going to have this season, Thursday night, at home, in front of all your fans, you want to you know, have a good showing, I guess, and To be fair to the Texans, I mean, it started that way. They started off playing very well, and for the entire first half, they were neck and neck with the Eagles. Now, a lot of that was because of the Eagles themselves having a Jalen Hurts fumble in there, missing a field goal at the end of the half, and stuff like that, but for the most part, they were going blow for blow on each other. I mean, the the, the Texans came right out the gate, hot, and just went 10 plays or so, 75 yards in about five minutes, marched down the field, and... I mean, thanks to a lot of, uh, what's, what's his name, Damian Pierce and some, some decent play by Davis Mills on that first drive, especially making a couple of big throws, they, they, they got a touchdown, 1-up 7 to nothing. Then obviously the Eagles answered with their own just ridiculous drive. And I mean, this second drive was probably the, I guess, most impressive one of the game for me, at least by the Eagles, because it took almost 20 plays. They marched over 90 yards, took about eight minutes off the clock, and ended in a touchdown, which is just incredible. But yeah, I mean, from then it was back and forth. They traded punts. There was the Jalen Hurts fumble that I mentioned in there. Eagles scored again, but then the Texans came right back and tied it up once again on the back because, mainly in my my opinion at least, uh, for Damian Pierce. Because, I mean, on this drive, he ran it just about every single time it felt like. I mean, just, just look, if you look through the play-by-play, I guarantee he probably had what felt like five, six, maybe, carries on this drive himself, and they were all, I mean, it was only a seven-play drive. It was just ridiculous, and this whole game, well, it wasn't, I guess, the biggest fantasy game here for Damian Pierce. He only had, what, I mean, 13.5 points or so, uh, if you're in, in a PPR league, but It was really a coming out game for him. He had 27 carries, 139 yards. He ripped off a couple of big runs in there as well. And while he didn't catch anything through the air, I mean, it was just crazy. He was carrying his team solely up and down the field. And yes, Davis Mills did start hot. I want to say at half, he was like... 8 of 10 for 100 yards and two touchdowns. It was, was kind of weird to see. It was just a really odd stat line. But in the second half, it was kind of where things fell apart. The Eagles kept going. They put up another 15 points, another two touchdowns in the second half. The Texans could only muster up three off a field goal. Davis Mills had two pretty terrible turnovers once again, two picks. And they, they lost a fumble as well in there. And the Eagles just kind of took advantage of that. Now, I mean, th- this kind of kicks off the week of just me expecting every single outcome, Uh, at least thus far. I think I can accurately predict most of all the outcomes. I mean, the Eagles winning this was pretty much a slam dunk. I had no doubt in my mind that they would, and sure enough, they did. Another big game by A.J. Brown. Dallas Goddard finally had a big game getting himself in there, and Miles Sanders doing well on the ground, all that fun stuff. But, I mean, yeah, transitioning into this week's kind of review of all the games, like I was saying, it is a week where... It seems just the most I guess cut and dry or on paper just it seems like the just most basic picks of them all it feels like every single pick this week is just cut and dry we know exactly what is going to happen at least just looking through the games uh, to start here and so without further ado I want to jump in onto the very first game that we have up on the slate here and that of course is the Chargers going to play the Atlanta Falcons now, for this one, it's, it, it, I guess this one is one of the harder games as well, uh, just just kind of getting into it, I guess, to, to kick it off, because it's not as cut and dry. The, the Atlanta Falcons, yes, they're 4-4, four and four. they're leading their division, which isn't really saying much, but people still have it in their heads that the Falcons, I guess, are a much better team than they really are. We see the 4-4 four and four record, we see them having these like close matchups, like with the Seahawks and stuff, really close games, and... Uh, having these gritty wins, I guess. And I think that that's just a, a term that's used to describe the Falcons just a little bit too too loosely. I think we're throwing around gritty for them when it doesn't feel like they are. I mean, last week they took the Panthers, who were, are arguably the worst team in the league, took them down to pretty much the wire and just barely squeaked it out there if it weren't for DJ Moore and some missed some missed kicks there by the Panthers. I mean, yes, they won, but they don't really they don't come out hot they don't finish strong or anything like that they just kind of plod through the game and if they are let back in the game then sweet so be it they kind of walk themselves back into the game but if not i mean they, they they just lose which is like like what we saw with the bengal's the bengal's didn't let them back in and they had no shot of getting back in now that's kind of an issue for the chargers because not only this season but in in the chargers history just as a whole as a team they let teams back in. They make every single game. They take it all down to the wire, and that's really going to hurt the, the Chargers here. And not not to mention, I'm just, just going further on that. I want to say that they have a ton of people out. I think their tight end, Donald Parham, who, I mean, he is their backup to Gerald Everett, but he was placed on IR. I, I think Keenan Allen's also going to be out once again for this game. Uh, what's his name? JC Jackson. He's out for the season, obviously, with his injury. <laughs> Um, Mike Williams also might not be playing in this game, so the Chargers do have a notable, uh, I, I guess, hit on their on their on their room, whether it be to start players. I mean, Joey Bosa, uh, like I said, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, J.C. Jackson—they got a lot of people out. In it's a major blow to their firepower. I have a lot of faith in Justin Herbert, but I also do have a lot of faith in the Falcons' defense here. A.J. Terrell, though, he is out. Uh, I believe the Falcons did trade for Rashad Fenton from the Chiefs, but once again, what's that going to do? You're facing the Chargers, and while the Falcons, there's a lot of money coming in here on the Falcons because it is another letdown place, I guess, for the Chargers who they've just been completely, complete letdowns this entire season, no matter what they've been doing. However, they need a win, and they really, really need multiple wins, and they need to capitalize on the teams like the Falcons, ones that prior to this season were just, mark them off on the schedule, easy wins for the Chargers. I know that a lot of people will be taking the Falcons. And uh, I'm really fighting myself on this one because I want to say the Falcons too. And the Chargers are favored by three in this one. I don't know. It's very, very hard for me because I do think that the Falcons are at least a decent team. And with all the injuries to the Chargers, I want to keep talking myself into the Falcons. But I think that that's what a lot of people do, especially the betting public. I think that they're trying to talk themselves into a Falcons team that really is not that great. Now, we got some, some information saying that Cordarell Patterson, he should be playing at least. I, I, I believe that, that there was something that came out saying that he is supposed to be playing uh, this week, Week 9, against the Chargers. So that'll be a a good boost for them. But the Chargers are a better team. They have a better offensive line. They have a better quarterback. I don't really care who their weapons are. I mean, it's just Justin Herbert. I trust him. I know Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, their 1s and 2s are out. They still have Austin Eckler, who's been ridiculous in the past game. Just the sheer number of receptions this guy has. I want to say he's in the top five uh, total receptions uh, right now. I I think I think right now he has 50 something, which is just ridiculous. Which is more than most number one wide receivers on teams. Which is more than Drake London, Mike Williams, the respected number one ri- respective number one wide receivers on each of these teams. So. I'm really going to go against the betting public, who a lot are taking the Falcons, even though Vegas is giving the Chargers three points here. I think that the Chargers are going to take this game. I really, really do. I think that they're the better team, even with all these injuries. Can I see the Falcons winning? Yes, just because of all the injuries. But Chargers are a better team. And I think if Brandon Saley wants to even keep his job, I think he's really, going to, he's really going to need to win this one here. So I'm going to give it to the Chargers, at least out of that. Now, I I, for, I I guess I'll do a score prediction. I'll, I'll say 28 to 24, saying that the Chargers will cover that. But getting into the next game, we have the Dolphins going to Chicago to play the Bears. Like I said, I, I guess this kind of starts the starts the cut and dry matchups. Miami should absolutely obliterate the Bears. And now, yes, I know that the Bears are coming off of what I believe was yeah, it was a pretty, I guess, embarrassing loss to to the Cowboys. But they managed to put up a decent amount of points on that great Cowboys defense. A defense that is much, much better than the Miami Dolphins, at least as of lately. Now, however, I know a lot of people are saying, well, oh, it's a bounce back spot for Chicago. They're coming home. They're playing a less lesser defense or whatever. Yes, I understand that. And I completely understand that they just traded for Chase Claypool. That means absolutely nothing to me when it comes down to the Miami Dolphins team. Justin Fields, sure, he he, he he's I get he's been proving his worth a little bit more with each and every week. Khalil Hurtbert's a bit of a stud, a little, little underrated as well. But I mean, look look at the Dolphins. And especially take into consideration that the Bears just traded away, away Roquan Smith, pretty much the only decent player on their entire defense. Tua Tyree Kill. They're going to have a field day. On this Bears defense, especially in their secondary, Jaquan Brisker, I like him. He, I know he's I know he was hurt. Believe he is playing, which is good for them. But still, I don't. It, it doesn't matter for me because Jaquan Brisker, his one knock throughout the draft uh, process was he wasn't the fastest. He has good ball skills, yes. He's smart, yes. He's big, he's physical, yes. We get it. He's not the fastest player, and when you're facing Tyreek Hill. That's an issue. Tyreek Hill right now has 961 receiving yards on the season. Yes, I know that they didn't have their bye yet, but the thing, he's almost at 1,000 receiving yards eight games into the season. That's just ridiculous. He's averaging over 100 yards a game. Like I said in the review last week, Tua just chucks the ball up to him, and Tyreek Kill, even though he's a smaller guy, he's just able to jump up, pinpoint the ball, and come down with it. And he's so fast, he gets the yards after a catch. He has Jalen Waddle opposite him, I mean, who the hell on the Bears is going to be able to match up with this? I think that the Dolphins are going to be able to put up a lot of points early, and the Bears just don't have that kind of offense to be able to, I guess, keep pace with that, and they don't have the passing offense to keep themselves in this game. They, they need a run game. They need Khalil Herbert. They need Jalen Hurst. They need David Montgomery all on the ground, firing on all cylinders to even have a chance. At a decent pass game, because without that, um, Justin Fields can't get those play-action shots like he needs. He can't bootleg out, and he just doesn't pass for many yards. Justin Fields still, like I said, we're eight weeks into the season. He just barely has over twenty, or just barely has over one thousand one hundred yards. I mean, he's almost at twelve hundred, and he has under twenty yards attempts per game, like twenty attempts per game, which is just ridiculous. Raheem Mostert, they just brought in Jeff Wilson. I think the the Dolphins' run game is going to be good. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, I mean, Mike Sick, and to a, he. I don't think he's that great. I think he's serviceable enough, though, to the point where they're going to put a beatdown on the Bears. And I know it's a bounce-back week for the Bears. I expect them to play with some fight coming home and off of a brutal beatdown, but I still can't see them beating the Dolphins. The Dolphins are favored by four. I will more than happily take the four points here. And I'm going to say the Dolphins are going to win this one. A pretty high-scoring matchup, at least on the Dolphins' side, 35-15 to here. Why 15? I think that they're going to maybe score a touchdown early, but then they'll probably score one late when they're down by enough, and they're just going to be going for two-point conversions or something like that at this point. So, yeah, give me the Dolphins every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Now, next game, this one. I guess it could be a little bit closer than we're thinking, and certainly closer than the spread suggests. That's the Panthers traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. The Bengals are favored by seven points here. Are they seven points better than the Panthers in a vacuum, yes. I mean they have a much better team, much better quarterback, much better receivers and eh, maybe a comparable defense. I think that the that the Panthers might have a much better defense which is why they'll be in this game for the most part. But the thing is, last week the Bengals you take away Jamar Chase and they looked pitiful against the Browns. They looked terrible in a primetime spot as well. It just was not just was not anything that they wanted to show. It was a terrible showing. It was embarrassing. It was a it was it was a terrible terrible loss, which makes me think that they should, uh, you know, r- really be kind of in the market here, I guess, for a huge bounce back game, and they should really put a hurting on the Panthers. I think that they will. I think that they're going to beat the Panthers. I really do. I know that P.J. Walker is starting. He and D.J. Moore have a really good connection. D.J. Moore's really looked a lot better ever since P.J. Walker took over. Deontay Foreman, he's looked great on the ground, which is nice there. And I do like their defense a lot. But the thing is, they're just not a good team. They are not coached well. They don't have a good quarterback, even though P.J. Walker's a feel-good story. And regardless of Jamar Chase being out for the, for the, uh, for the Bengals, I mean... T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, Joe Mixon in the past game, I like them all a lot. I know that the Panthers have a good defense, and that's what's giving me a lot of pause, especially about this this line here with the seven points uh, going for the Bengals, which is making me not want to take that. But at this point for the Bengals, you're coming off a Super Bowl appearance, a Super Bowl loss. If you lose this game to the Panthers, your playoff hopes are pretty much out the door because for the rest of your their schedule I don't see them winning that many games so they like I said it's it's kind of similar to the Chargers aspect where they need to capitalize on these games and honestly I see the Bengals and Chargers as very very similar teams They need to capitalize on these wins as they come. And for the Panthers, they cannot afford to lose to a team like that. The Bengals are the better team. They are at home. Yes, they are on technically a little bit of a short week because they played in prime time, obviously. Uh, What was it, Sunday night football or were they Monday night? Either or. It's a little bit less rest, but it shouldn't matter that much when you're coming home and playing a pitiful Panthers team. They should absolutely mop the floor with the Panthers, but... I, due to all that, I guess, just the injuries to, I mean, Mike Hilton's going to be out. One of their defensive linemen are going to be out, Chidobi Awuzier He was just put on IR, and then, obviously, uh, Jamar Chase being out. I think they'll keep it a little bit closer, but give, give me the Bengals to win this game. I'll say 28-22. to 22. Now, next up, once again, uh, another game that seems pretty cut and dry to me here. Packers going to take on the Lions. The Lions are a feel-good story, but I completely sold my stock on them. I like Dan Campbell a lot. I like him as much as the next guy. But the thing is, he seems more of a motivator than he is a good coach. Jared Goff, his his play has kind of slipped over the past few, uh, past past while, I guess. And then with the, with the Lions, they just traded away TJ Hawkinson, their leading receiver. He's out for the rest of the year, obviously, because, I mean, he's on the Vikings now, they just traded him. What does that signal to the team? It signals a full rebuild. You have Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift really carrying this entire team out of the backfield. But Amon Ross St. Brown, he was hurt. He's not the leading receiver. Maybe he'll be back and be able to get things going. But Jair Alexander, as much as I don't like him as a guy, he's a good cornerback. I think he's a little cocky for my liking, but he's all, he's not bad. I think he'll be able to lock up Amon Ross St. Brown. They have a good enough defense to where... <laughs> They should really be able to beat up on the Lions, and I know that the Lions' strength is their offensive line. But the thing is here, their entire—I don't—I don't think that their offensive line is going to be too much to, I guess, compensate help the offense compensate enough for their defense. If you look on their defense, they're already the worst defense in the league by points allowed. And then you just go in further and you look at the injuries that they have. A.J. Parker, he's out. Um, Ifidi who he's one, another one of their corners, he's out. Chase Lucas, another corner, is out. They, they're missing pretty much their entire secondary. And that seems like just the remedy for this Packers offense to really be able to capitalize on, who has been pitiful, absolute dog dookie for the first eight weeks of the season. And they really need to win. They're coming off getting their butts kicked in prime time against the Bills. They need to win so badly, and really, if they have any shot at the playoffs, they need to win here. They're essentially already eliminated. Like They really don't have a shot, in my opinion, to make the playoffs, but if they want to keep any little bit of hope alive, they need to pretty much win from here on out, so I think that that uh, what they did last week against the Bills, really leaning into the run game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, I think that that's going to be a recurring theme, and we're going to see that again today, or tomorrow, but Nazard. He should be back. Romeo Dobbs, he's been all right. Christian Watson, hopefully he'll be back to play. They've lost four in a row. They cannot make it five losses in a row. And I mean, it's going to be a hard fight because the Lions have lost their last, like what, five in a row as well. So both of these teams are going to be scratching and clawing every little bit that they can in order to get this win. I just can't see the Packers losing this. I, I thought it was ridiculous when they lost two in a row to the New York teams. I thought it was even crazier when they lost three in a row to the uh, to the commanders and then adding the bills on top of that and then them having lost four in a row. I, I I just cannot see a fifth in a row. And I've been telling myself that for the past three weeks, but they something has to give. They need to win, and they need to put it together at some point. They're favored by 3.5 here. I think they should definitely, definitely take care of that. But just to be safe, I'm going to say it's going to be 28-21 to here. Packers win over the Lions. That one, like I said, a little more cut and dry for me. They should definitely win that. And if they don't, yikes, full-scale rebuild, they're going to need to start blowing things up at least with the Packers, whether it be entertaining trade offers for Aaron Rodgers or just looking to make some humongous moves at wide receiver and get some new coordinators in there. But, yeah, it'll be an interesting game to watch, that's for sure. (laughs) Now, next we have the Indianapolis Colts going to play the New England Patriots. The line here is a little, little, uh, just interesting to me. The Patriots are favored by 5.5 points, which doesn't seem like that much, especially when it comes down to... A terrible, terrible team in the Colts. I know Jonathan Taylor's back. He looks like a, for, a shell of his uh, former self. And um, from what I remember, I don't even think he's playing this week. So they just traded away Naheem Hines as well. So there goes their number two. Who the hell are they playing in the backfield? I don't know. Yes, Michael Pittman Jr. He's fine, whatever. But the thing is here, they, they also have Sam Ellinger starting again. What do rookie or first-time year or first starters all have in common whenever they face the Patriots, Bill Belichick wipes the floor with them. He just does. It's what he does. Sam Ellinger with a team just lacking any sort of weapons. They're not going to have a run game, which helps out a new quarterback a ton. They already hardly have a receiving game outside of Michael Pittman. What are they going to be able to do against the Patriots? I don't know. And it's going to be my guess that it's going to be not much. The Patriots on the other hand, Mac Jones has been playing pitifully. He looks absolutely terrible this season, but what they do have going for them is a ground game. Ramondo Stevenson, Damien Harris, and I mean, outside of that, it's just that that's really all they can rely on. They have a decent defense and it will always be good under Bill Belichick. But the thing is here is it's very, very difficult to decide because I don't want to put my faith in Mac Jones. He's looked pitiful. But I also can't put my faith in Sam Ellinger going up against uh, Bill Belichick or anything like that. So for me, this one's easy. I mean, there's not much analysis needed here. The Patriots are just flat out the better overall team than the Colts. I mean, the the only thing that the Colts could say that they would have on the Patriots is is their O-line, and even that hasn't been performing up to standards. Their receivers are worse. Their quarterback, while yes, he is a rookie, he might be better than Mac Jones. Against Bill Belichick, he will be worse. Their defense as a whole is worse. I, I just think that the Patriots are going to play a very ball-centric, ball-controlled game and really be able to eke out a win here. Now, with that being said, because I think that they're going to be playing more ball control and just running the ball and draining the clock, I have a little bit more confidence in the fact that they will cover the 5.5 points. Now, I know you're thinking that that's a little counterintuitive. Like, well, hey, I mean, if they're, running the, if they're running the ball and this is going to be a run-heavy game, isn't it going to be a much closer score? Yes, that is typically what would happen. But when you're the Patriots, I think that they're going to get out to an early lead because they're just such a drastically better team and they're going to force a lot of turnovers and mistakes on a young quarterback, second-time starting quarterback in Sam Ellinger. So I think they're going to get ahead by, like, 14 and then just take, like, 8, 9, 10-minute drives and just wind down the clock. I'll take the Patriots to win this. I'll say 21-14 to 14 here. Really low-scoring game. If you can hammer the under in any kind of betting you would, would definitely, definitely do that here. I think it's a good call. Other than that, it's just stay away from this game, at least betting-wise. The only thing that I can say with confidence is the Patriots on the money line. Now, next we have the Vikings going on to play the Washington Commanders once again. The Commanders are not a good team. They just barely scraped out a win against Sam Ellinger in his first start in the Colts who are also a pitiful team. Yes, they're 4 and 4. I don't care what the record says. They're a lot like uh kind of kind of like the 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 Falcons to me. They they're riding that 4 and 4 record saying like, "Hey, we're We're a good team. We're we're scrappy, whatever. And Taylor Heineke, I love the dude. I really, really do. I think he's a great story. And honestly, I think he's the best quarterback on the roster at this point, even though Carson Wentz was playing pretty darn well up until he kind of fell off. The only thing is they're running into a buzzsaw in the Vikings. They have so many people out on their defense as well. Chase Young obviously won't play. Uh, Cole Holcomb, he's out. David Mayo, their other linebacker, is out. So who do you have? You have the guy from Kentucky, um, Jamin Davis. I mean, you can't rely on him. He, he's he's rusty as a bag of nails right now, and I know that it's his. And by rusty, I mean he's just he's just raw. I guess raw as chicken or whatever the metaphor you want you want to make it or simile, whatever. I don't care. It's just they don't have anybody at at the linebacker spot. They just traded William Jackson, who, for as pitifully as he was playing, he's really their best corner, and they just traded him away to the Steelers. So yeah it's going to be a really really hard time for the for the washington here jahan dotson is already out jd mckissick while he's kind of meant less and less as the weeks have went on with the emergence of it well re-emergence really of antonio gibson and the tag team of him and brian robinson i don't know washington already doesn't have a run game i mean hell their leading rusher is antonio gibson with less than 300 yards Jahan dotson he's out so it's going to be terry mclaurin and um curtis samuel so their really only prayer here is if Taylor Heineke just decides to go full, I guess, baby Fitzpatrick here and just chuck balls up to the moon and pray that something happens. And lucky for them, the Vikings' defense is kind of apt to allowing that to happen. We saw it uh, the other week with the with the Cardinals kind of just throwing their way back in there late when they really shouldn't have. That's the only thing that worries me here about the Vikings is their defense. And I don't know if they're going to be able to kind of contain just a sporadic balls to the wall, all or nothing kind of approach from the commanders, which is what gives me pause here. But every single time I start to talk myself out of that and think that, hey, maybe Washington can pull an upset here. And I mean, they certainly could. It just seems less and less likely. And it just reminds me of the Vikings. I mean, Zadarius Smith on the defensive side of the ball has been incredible. Washington's O-line is terrible. Look for him to have a big day. Patrick Peterson, the secondary, he'll probably be on Terry McLaurin. I mean, he's he's great at just picking off passes that are just thrown up there on a prayer which is what Kyler Murray did he got two interceptions then I think that's exactly what Taylor Heineke is going to do now I think he's going to have another pick maybe even two in this week and I mean outside of the defense I mean of the Vikings at least look at the defense of the commanders I already said it's terrible now look at the offense of the Vikings Kirk Cousins is having a good average Kirk Cousins season, Dalvin Cook is having another good year, Justin Jefferson is a stud, Adam Thielen's a stud, and the one blow was Irv Smith Jr., or Irv Smith Sr., whichever one, their tight end, he's now supposed to be out eight to ten weeks with an injury, and so that could be one thing like, hey, I mean, I know he wasn't producing too much, but he's still your number one tight end, what are we going to do here? Well, they just went out and got an upgrade, a huge, massive upgrade in TJ Hawkinson. It's going to be ridiculous. I know he won't be up to speed as much in the playbook, so he's probably not going to be featured too much in this game. But Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, TJ Hawkinson now, and Kirk Cousins behind a decent offensive line. And, I mean, I like uh, Kevin O'Connell as well. Minnesota, the line is only three here. And I know that they're on the road, but dear God, only three points. I think Minnesota is going to cover that and some. Give me 35-20 to 20 here, Minnesota Vikings, in a pretty high-scoring game because both defenses are pretty darn bad. But either way, give me the Vikings. I don't even need to think twice about that. As much as I tried to talk myself into the commanders, just can't do it. Kirk Cousins, do me proud, take a huge victory here. Now, the, um, one of the last games in our 1 p.m. slate here is the Raiders going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Raiders looked like absolute crap last week. They got shut out against the, against the New Orleans Saints, and they didn't even look remotely competitive, like, whatsoever. It just was not a competitive game at all. And a lot of that, I think, is now, it's just boiling down to coaching. Derek Carr looks absolutely pitiful, and... He, he can't get anything going. Devontae Adams has looked like a shell of his former self in most of these games, and Josh Jacobs, I mean, while he's been kind of the lifeblood of their offense, I don't think that, that he's going to be able to do too much against this Jaguars defense, and that's where I really want to focus on right now is the Jaguars defense. They have a great pass rush, which... The, the Raiders they don't have a good offensive line I think that Trayvon Walker will be able to feast here Josh Allen he's been having his best season to date I think he's going to feast as well and then I mean even outside of that going to the secondary CJ Henderson or I I believe may, maybe I'm blanking on the Jaguars uh, corner's name but they have a corner who's he, he he's there he's like the number one rated corner as according to p, p, pdf p oh my goodness Pro Football Focus, PFF. Jeez, I cannot talk to get today, guys. I'm so sorry about that. But, yeah, I mean, d- defensively, uh, it's it's not, what, what's his name? It's Tyson Campbell, that's his name. He's been an incredible cornerback for them. They have Foyasadi Aluakon, who can also rush the pass and play a decent amount in coverage as well as a linebacker. I like their defense. I really, really do, and when you look at the Raiders' offense, Derek Carr, he's very, very prone to these stupid turnovers like he had last week, and you're going up against Tyson Campbell, and I mean, you even have uh, Shaq Griffin, who I know he's been kind of abused recently, but in their secondary as well, they have a great secondary uh, safety-wise, I... I like him a lot. I really do like the Jaguars' defense in here. I don't think Devonte Adams is going to be open as much, and even if he does have a big game, I think it's going to result in Derek Carr forcing it to him a little bit, which will result in interceptions. Josh Jacobs, I don't think he's going to get much going in the um, going in the ground game. And yeah, like I said, guys, it's going to be a bad, bad game for the Raiders' offense. Now, what that leads me to is, can the Jaguars' offense make up for that? Can their offense make up what the... I guess, what the defense is willing to give up. Because the defense is going to bend but not break, and they're probably going to hold the Raiders to, at max, like 20 points or something like that. But to me, question here kind of is, can the Jaguars' offense make up that many points? And at first glance, you're like, well, the Jaguars kind of have a crappy defense, and we're coming off of a week where we saw them get shut down by the Broncos, where Trevor Lawrence looked terrible. And Trevor Lawrence honestly has had a pretty pitiful past five games or so like ever since his hot start, I guess he hasn't played too well in this Jaguars offense. They put up 17, 17, 6, and 21 in their last five games. It's not very good. I think that this Raiders defense is just the remedy that they need here. I can see, um, Trevor Lawrence having a bit of a bounce back game here. I believe the Jaguars only favored by two point or no, they're not actually the line kind of switched. Uh, they're, they're now underdogs, home underdogs, Give me the Jaguars here all the way. I just cannot see the Raiders going on the road, coming off of a loss, facing a team that's also coming off of an equally as heartbreaking loss. I mean, yeah, just 100%. I'm going to need to take the Jaguars here. I have too much faith in Doug Peterson to outcoach Josh McDaniels. I think Trevor Lawrence, even though he hasn't been playing as well, I'm going to take him over Derek Carr any day of the week right now. Devonta Adams, yes, I like him, but I don't trust the quarterback to get him the ball. And Josh Jacobs, can't run your way to a victory on this Jaguars front, so give me the Jaguars. Now, the last game in the 1 o'clock slate that shows up is the Buffalo Bills traveling to play the New York, New Jersey Jets. This game is... I guess scary in a way to me, Josh Allen is coming off of one of the worst games I have seen him play. And God knows how long he looked great in that first half, but in the second half, he just reverted to worse than his or equal to his rookie year. He looked pitiful and yes, they still won the game, but they put up three points in the entire second half against a reeling Packers team. I don't think that that's going to fly, or at least that kind of play is going to fly with this jets defense. That's where I want to start. I want to start with the Jets defense. I think that Sauce Gardner has been playing incredibly. He really, really has. They've been doing just... He's been playing out of this world. He looks like a top cornerback, even though he is a rookie. Now, I know that cornerback play fluctuates from season to season... But he looks to be the real deal. C.J. Mosley, he's been doing his thing as a linebacker. And then Quinnen Williams, he has been their standout player as well. He has six sacks so far this season. And he has been getting so much pressure on the quarterback. And for the Bills, kind of meh. O-line, I really do think that Quentin Williams can have a big game. His brother, Quincy Williams, is also having a good game. And then looking into their secondary, like I said, Sauce Gardner, he's, he looks great. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner at safety, he's been playing very, very well. Michael Carter's been a decent number two cornerback, rotating in and out with DJ Reed. They have a very, very good defense. And that's kind of what scares me when they're now that they're playing the Bills, is The Bills have kind of had the liberty of playing not the greatest defenses over the past few games, and especially coming off that bye, we saw them rusty. Now, yes, they didn't look good against the Packers. The Packers are supposed to have a good defense, but they suffered a ton of injuries. The the Chiefs, they didn't have that great of a defense. In the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense, they weren't too great, and for the Ravens, who had a pretty decent defense, they struggled against them for large amounts of the game. I mean, the Bills, it's just very, very hard to trust them And I know that that sounds weird. They're 6-1. They're everybody's AFC favorite, potential Super Bowl favorite. Why am I having so much of an issue trying to trust them? It's because of what I saw last week, and I just cannot shake that feeling. So the Jets' defense, I think that is going to give this offense a bit of... They're going to give them hell. I mean, they have an issue committing to the run. The Bills do. Devin Singletary got things going, but they just kind of abandoned it earlier on. It's going to be interesting to see. I think it's going to be another very, very pass-heavy game by the Bills, which is going to force Josh Allen into a couple of mistakes. I can see Sauce Gardner getting a pick here. Maybe something happened in the secondary. Maybe Michael Carter or uh, Reed getting his hands on it, but look for it to be a big game, at least for the Jets' defense here. Now, on the flip side, the Jets' offense is putrid. Zach Wilson is Terrible. He has three touchdown passes on this entire season. Yes, he's contributed on the ground, but Brees Hall's not here anymore, and James Robinson's going to be out as well. It just came in. I mean, Michael Carter—that's all you have on the ground. And then outside of that, I think that the Bills play the play the run very, very well. They really do. Tim Settle to Jones, Von Miller as well. In last week, they didn't play the run the run well. But what the what Von Miller came out and said, and what a couple of coaches—well, not coaches, but other players—said as well is. They were expecting them to run the ball in a huge consensus, at least among the media, myself and other people included just watching the game is a lot of people were saying, what the hell is going on with the, with the Packers? Why are they running the ball when they're down 14 points, 17 points? I mean, the Bills were playing like they were expecting Aaron Rodgers to pass the ball. Von Miller came out and said something along those, those lines saying, hey, like what what the hell happened? I was teeing off just expecting Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball because, I mean, hell, he's Aaron Rodgers, but they just kept running the ball even when they were down 17. So it's going to be different this week when they expect the ball to be ran. I think that the, that the Jets are going to try to run the ball, fail, and then really rely on Zach Wilson and make him throw the ball. Now... The only issue for the Bills is is Jordan Poyer has already been ruled out, so now they are down both their starting safeties. Obviously, Micah Hyde was out earlier on in the season, now Jordan Poyer as well. Both of them are going to be out, leaving a big hole in the secondary. Is that that much of an issue, though? I don't think so, just because the rest of the secondary and DeMar Hamlin playing at safety, uh, they just re-signed Dean Marlowe, who used to play. He was a decent backup role for them, so they'll be okay at safety. But more so than that, I want to focus on Tredavious White finally coming back to play for the Bills. He probably won't play most of the game, if I'm being completely honest, just because they want to work him back in slowly. But Kai Elam, Christian Benford... Dane Jackson, Trey White, whoever the hell the Bills play in at cornerback or in the secondary in general, they do play well, and I think that they're going to capitalize a ton on a Zach Wilson who just really desperately wants to prove himself at this rate and will be throwing a ton of picks. Now for the Bills offense, can they get it done against the Jets defense? I, I don't know. I really, really don't because they do have a lot going on. They need to commit to that run game. And then if, if Josh Allen just plays his game and stops trying to force it, I really think he's trying to chase that guy in Kansas City in Patrick Mahomes. And that's so he's kind of getting into his own head. The Bills are favored by 11 and a half points here. That is way, way too much for me to take Going on the road to play the Jets, a great defense, eleven and a half points. That's just ridiculous to me. Uh, it's going to be a lot closer than that. I'll take them thirty to twenty-three Buffalo Bills here. Once again, I do think the Bills should win. They should win convincingly, but the spread, not my friend. And there's definitely some potential there for it to be a lot closer than we think. Now, getting into our afternoon slate, we'll start with our four o five game here, and we have a little bit of a weird, I, I guess, I guess afternoon slate. Typically, we have three uh, like around 4 p.m. games. This week, we only have two, and it's one one at 4.05, one kickoff at 4.25 Eastern time. So it's a little weird. We have a little bit of a delayed slate, obviously, due to all the bye weeks. Typically, they take them out earlier in the 1 o'clock slate, but now they're just taking one out of the 4 p.m. slate. But, I mean, be that as it may, the first one I'm going to talk about here is the Seahawks going to play the Arizona Cardinals. The Seahawks... They look good. They really do. They are a scrappy team, but they are a winning team. Geno Smith is playing as a top five, top ten, a top quarterback. Honestly, in this league right now, at least so far this season, and I mean, for the most part, in this in this division, I always say it. And I feel like I say every single time there's this divisional matchup. It seems like every, like it, like it it just it's a cyclic sort of relationship. The, the 49ers always beat the Rams. The Rams always beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks always beat the Cardinals, and the Cardinals always beat the 49ers. So it's like that little cycle. And once again here, we have the Seahawks and the Cardinals. The Seahawks, they have a much better offense than the Cardinals do, which is really weird to say because looking at the big names, I mean, one team has a Really, backup quarterback in Geno Smith, and the other team has a forty-plus million dollar a year quarterback in Kyler Murray. The only thing is, Kyler Murray is not playing well. He's playing so much worse than Geno Smith is, and yes, he is the team's leading rusher as well. But James Conner, I mean, he might not play, and if he's out, their 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 uh their run game is going to be even more questionable. They have a terrible secondary. Marquise Brown is out as well. DeAndre Hopkins is really their only guy, and I know Rondell Moore had a decent game last week, but most of his yards were in garbage time, so. Deandre Hopkins, can he go off? Probably. I mean, we'll see Tariq Woolen probably playing a lot against him, so that'll be a good test for the rookie there. In and of itself, And that 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 kind of just smells to me like like at least a pick to Tariq Woolen from Kyler Murray. Why? Am I saying that Tariq Wallen's going to shut down DeAndre Hopkins? No, I I don't think so whatsoever. But the thing is, is, DeAndre Hopkins gets about 15 targets a game from Kyler Murray, and if he's targeted that much, Tariq Wallen, you bet your ass, he will at least have a shot to get a pick, and I think he's going to bring one down, especially if they're pressing late on in the game. Now, last week for the Seahawks, they struggled to get a run game going. They really did. The Giants stopped them pretty well, and Kenneth Walker didn't have that big of a game. That's going to change. The Cardinals have a pitiful, pitiful run defense. And, I mean, they're allowing like 140 100 and, rush yards a game. I want to say that sounds about right. They're allowing a ton. And when it comes to Kenneth Walker, I think that he's going to be able to run all over him. And for Geno Smith, for the, for the Arizona Cardinals, whose pass defense allowed per game. They're allowing almost 300 yards passing per game. Well, 270, but we'll call it pretty close to there. I think Geno Smith, especially with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, is going to take full, full advantage of this Cardinal secondary and put up a ton of points. Now, where can I see this going wrong? I can see the Seahawks kind of losing their magic. Geno Smith, he has 13 touchdowns, three picks, about 2,000 yards. I can see him kind of feeling himself a little too much, and I can see this as a letdown game, especially on the road against a division rival. However, the Cardinals are just not a good team, and their 3-5 and five record kind of disguises that. Every single game that they've even come close in, a lot of it has just been garbage time makeup points. I mean, if you look at Look at just last week against the Vikings, a lot of their thing was because the Vikings let them back in the game. They beat the Saints by eight points, but that's because Andy Dalton threw two pick sixes, pretty much spotting them 14 points. I mean, then they played the Seahawks just uh, prior to then, and they got their butts whooped just in a defensive slugfest where they couldn't get the ball moving. I don't expect that to change, except maybe a little bit more with DeAndre Hopkins here, but even so, how much can he do? I mean, can the Cardinals win this game? Yes, 100%. I I do think that they can win, especially at home. They're fighting for their life, and the division is still close. I mean, they're not out of anything, but the Seahawks are in first place, and I can really, really see them fighting tooth and nail on the road against a team that they historically destroy because they have such a severe coaching advantage. Uh, Pete Carroll, Overcliffe, Kingsbury, and with all the drama going on with the Cardinals here, give me the Seahawks, give me Geno Smith, and now that I'm picking them, watch them completely disappoint me, but whatever, I'll take the Seahawks here, 23-17 to 17 here, getting the win, going to 6-3 and, and maintaining their lead in this division. Now, for our 425 game, we have a very, very good game, or at least it looked like it would be very good earlier on in the season. This, that, of course, I mean, I'm talking about the Buccaneers going on to play the Los Angeles Rams. Now, going into the season, we're like, oh, my goodness, I can't wait to see this game because it's going to be a repeat of the NFC Championship, or not not NFC Championship, but the NFC Divisional Round Game. I was excited. But what a fall from grace. I mean, for both of these teams, they're both only three wins. Once uh, the Rams are three and four, obviously, because they've had a bye. And yeah, I mean, it's it's just three and four versus three and five and they're coming off of a very just tough loss against the San Francisco 49ers divisional game where it looked like they were going to win. They were ahead for a bit of that game, but then they just completely lost and fell apart in the second half. They have no run game to speak of. Their leading rusher Daryl Henderson with not even 200 yards. It's terrible. They probably have one of the worst, if not the worst rushing games in the league, averaging only 68 yards per game. And it's funny enough, they're facing the other worst rushing rushing game in the league in the in the um in the Buccaneers who average 61 rushing yards per game. So to me it really comes down to the quarterbacks and the weapons. And in this case, I mean Tom Brady's the better quarterback. No doubt about it. He's playing much better than Matthew Stafford. He really, really is. And then for receivers I'm tended to lean more towards the Rams because Van Jefferson is supposed to be back, so I think that that's going to make a huge deal of a difference. If Cooper Cup plays, which he should, uh, at, le- at least at least he was like full in practice, so he should play as well. And then also having Allen Robinson, I will take those three healthy over Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Russell Gage because uh, Tom Brady kind of tends to get locked in on either Evans or Godwin, so one of them will go off. And then Russell Gage has been kind of a kind of a mess so far this season at least for them when we thought that would be great Tampa Bay is on a three-game losing streak they've lost four out of their last five and, and honestly could have lost five out of out of their last five if it wasn't for a terrible roughing the passer call against the Falcons the Rams same thing they're struggling to put anything together I mean their only win in the last four weeks five weeks honestly comes against the Carolina Panthers so both these teams are going to be fighting tooth and nail for the victory here But the thing is, I think the Rams are just a worse team and they really sold their soul for that Super Bowl and they won it. So none of that, they're they're not going to be complaining here. I mean, you got a Super Bowl that that'll set you up for the next two or three years. Honestly, you win a Super Bowl. I I forget where I heard this from. It was some coach saying it, but you win a title and you're good for four or five years. And that's really how it works. And I mean, yes, the Rams do have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, but the rest of their defense is not playing well. The Buccaneers, however, they have a much better defense, even though they have a lot of people out. Antoine Winfield is out. I don't think Akeem Hicks will play. And then they have another couple cornerbacks on their injured report. So. Yes, this is probably going to be the closest game of the week. So this is definitely one of my stayaways. If you guys have a parlay for for game picks or who you think is going to win, I would I just wouldn't include this game unless you have a much firmer grasp on it than I do. I'm going to take the Buccaneers here to win because they are the home team. They're favored by three. I think Tom Brady, uh, his divorce was finalized, and I don't want to like make light of that or say that that has anything to do with it. But I think he's going to be upset, and he has a right to be in. I think that Tom Brady. He's one of those players that you just do not make upset in, I mean, listen, it's, he, they're favored by three, they're at home, they need this win more than anything to keep pacing their division with, can't even believe I'm saying this, but the Atlanta Falcons, give me the Buccaneers here to win it, I'll take them 27-21 to 21 against the Rams, look for Matt Stafford to have another, honestly, pretty shitty game, look for another couple of picks here, and honestly, just a low-scoring slugfest where the Rams can't run, Cooper Couple have his typical big game, but outside of that, nothing different here, guys. Now for our Sunday night game, this should be pretty exciting, and I know that on paper it looks like yeah, well the Chiefs are just going to wipe the floor with the Titans, and yes, it, I mean I, I think so, and I mean the line reflects The lines are saying that the Chiefs are favored by twelve and a half points, but I think that that is mainly due because Ryan Tannehill is questionable. Now if Ryan Tannehill does not play against the Chiefs, then one hundred percent give me the Chiefs to win by fifty. <laughs> Not really. Maybe I'd take him by like 14, 15, 16 points. But, I mean, Malik Willis looked absolutely pitiful. We get that. But if Ryan Tannehill plays, this team was good with Ryan Tannehill outside of the Bills completely waxing them in Week 2. And, yes, they lost it in Week 1 against the uh, against the Giants just to a late-missed field goal. They've won every other game. They've looked very, very good outside of that. They're 5-2 and two in... I mean, Derrick Henry finally looks like himself again, and yes, Malik Willis—he did not look good. He only attempted what was it, ten passes last week. So I completely understand that. And if Malik Willis plays, I will one million percent take. Uh, I'll one hundred percent take take the Chiefs here. But the thing is, for me, uh, I just I can't look past the fact that. They're they're five and two and they're close and the Chiefs defense is not great. They just traded away Rashad Fenton, who was one of their best tackling corners. Bud, Dupree, uh, I mean not not Bud Dupree. I'm completely blanking here, but I, I just don't like the Chiefs as much as I should. And I know that Kadarius Tony, he's coming in. He should have a good game, but it's it's the Chiefs defense that is really giving me pause, especially and this is all contingent upon Ryan Tannehill playing this game. If Ryan Tannehill plays this game, I think he will take what the defense gives him. I think they'll be able to play ball control against the Chiefs with Derrick Henry, and I think it'll be a lot closer than this 12-point spread. Now, even if Ryan Tannehill were to play, I would take the Chiefs, just because Patrick Mahomes, he's playing; he's the MVP of the league right now. He really is. He has a 4-to-1 touchdown-interception ratio. He's he's thrown for a ton of yards. Their run game... Not not really there, I guess. But Clyde Edwards, alaire Isaac Pacheco, they're kind of splitting duties now. But Travis Kelsey, you just brought in Kadarius Tony, MVS, Juju's Mishuster has had a good past couple of games, honestly. So it's nice to see there. But if you just look at it in terms of team offense and team defense, I mean, the Chiefs put up over 400 yards of offense a game, whereas the Titans only manage about 300. And then if you look at it, You can go into it even further, and I mean, the Chiefs average about over 300 yards passing per game, and the Titans allow defensively almost 300 yards passing per game. It's pitiful. Now, Now, they don't allow many rushing yards at all. They really don't. But the thing is, the Chiefs don't run the ball at all. So, honestly... I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Ryan Tannehill won't play and that the, that the odds makers know something that I don't, which is why this line is so long, so big 12 and a half points. But give me the Chiefs. It really, it seems pretty pretty obvious here. I mean, even with Ryan Tannehill, I would take the Chiefs to win, but with him possibly not playing, I'm just going to go with it and say that he won't be playing. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win here in a landslide against Malik Willis. I think Patrick Mahomes will probably put up about 400 yards and five touchdowns. That'll be my bold prediction of this game. If you want to bet on Chiefs players over-unders, bet them all over, bet the running backs under. And yeah, give me the Chiefs. I don't know if I want to go 12.5, but, you know, screw it. If it. I'm just going to go as if Malik Willis is playing, and if he is, I will take the Chiefs with that. I'll take the Chiefs 35-14 to 14 if Malik Willis is playing this game. So, yeah, give me the Chiefs. Now, finally, we have our Monday night game, which... It's another obvious one with the Ravens versus Saints, and, I, and I'm probably going to take the Ravens, but I don't want to get into that just yet because there are a couple of things that can develop within the coming days just to, just based on inactives and stuff. A lot of it has to do with the Ravens defense which Marcus Peters, he's questionable Believe um, Marlon Humphrey is also questionable, but also their offense. J.K. Dobbins, obviously he's on IR. Gus Edwards might not play. Demarcus Robinson's questionable. Mark Andrews is questionable. Rashad Bateman's on IR. So I want to hold off here until I get more clarity on who's going to be playing there. And then obviously you flip it over to the Saints, and it's the same thing. Their center is questionable. They have a uh, defensive tackle questionable. They just put two of their corners on IR. Jarvis Landry might not play. Adam Troutman, their tight end, might not play. Michael Thomas is supposedly done for the year, so... There's a lot of open, kind of open questions that I want to wait for and look at uh, just in the coming weeks, I guess, here. So I'm going to wait on that game. Hope you guys do understand. I'll save that for our Monday recap pod before I uh, go and review that game. But, yeah. I, either way, I hope you guys did enjoy this review episode. It's a good week to bet this week. It really is, and you can definitely do that with my friends at DraftKings. Make sure to go check them out. They do have promos for if you sign up, if you're a first-time member. You deposit five anywhere from $5 and on, you can get $200 in free bets. And shit, you would get them in $25 vouchers. I'd put one of those vouchers on a parlay for this week, just picking the games. I mean... If you're looking at it, you have the Dolphins, an easy win here. The Bengals should have an easy win. Packers, the same. Patriots, the same. Vikings, the same. Bills, the same. I mean, shit, you really got to put something down on there if you guys are into that. If not, completely get it. But once again, hopefully you guys did enjoy today. Check me out. I am on all of your podcast networks, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Expanded to Podvine. We are all out there. So, hopefully, you guys did enjoy. Once again, check me out there. Check me out on Instagram. Check the Extra Point Podcast Instagram out as well. Have a good one, you guys. Enjoy football tomorrow. Peace out.